Chapter Two of the Crimson Cryptogram by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Two: The Writing in Blood. The long arm of coincidence was startlingly apparent in this instance. Both men were so amazed at the terrible news fitting in so neatly not only with the subject of conversation but with mrs basket's prophetic remark when the bell rang that they looked at one another dumbfounded mrs moxton stared at their motionless figures with indignant eyes are you not coming she demanded vehemently seizing the hand of ellis don't i tell you my husband is dead i am coming mrs moxton said ellis hurriedly but if he is dead my presence will be useless this is a case for the police if mrs moxton was pale before she became even paler at this last remark and shrinking back spread out her hands with a terrified gesture no no not the police why the police you say your husband has been murdered cried cass with sudden suspicion therefore the police must be called in at once who murdered the man i don't know murmured mrs moxton then his imperious suspicious tone seemed to stir her indignation she threw back her head haughtily i don't know she repeated deliberately my husband went out this evening i sat up for him as he promised to return about midnight shortly after eleven here she glanced at the clock on the mantelpiece i heard a cry and thinking something was wrong i ran to the door there was someone moaning on the garden path i went to see who it was and found my husband bleeding to death from a wound in the back he died a minute afterwards and i came for you how did you recognize your husband in the dark i-i had a candle she replied in a low voice with hesitation it's blowing awful wheezed mrs basket at the door and the other woman turned towards her abruptly the landlady's full moon of a face had suspicion written in every wrinkle had you the carving knife she asked the carving knife yes the same as you frightened the telegraph boy with i had no carving knife returned mrs moxton haughtily what do you mean by these questions she turned again to the men and burst into furious speech have i come to a lunatic asylum she cried you talk this woman talks and i want help doctor come come at once and you sir go for the police if it is necessary ellis hastily threw on a cap snatched up some needful things for a wounded man and followed mrs moxton out of the house mrs basket and harry were left face to face with the same thought in their minds what did i say about her having the carving knife sir yes by jove and her talking of exploring with a lighted candle in this wind she's afraid of the police too mr cass said mrs basket in tragic tones she's done for him sir well she might no cried harry rumpling his hair if she was guilty she would not come for ellis mrs basket snorted in a disbelieving manner oh wouldn't she sir you don't know the hussies women are that mrs moxton's a deepin as ever was here cried cass rummaging about for his cap i'm losing time i must go for the police at once come back and tell me if they take sir shouted mrs basket after him with morbid glee i believe she's done it with the carving knife but cass did not hear her as the wind was high and he was already some distance away 
as he sped along the silent streets storm clouds were racing across the face of a watery moon and a drizzle of rain moistened his face being a reporter cass was friendly with constables and knew the station at dukesfield well having often gone there to glean paragraphs this time he went to give more terrible and sensational news than he had ever received and stumbled almost into inspector drake's arms in his haste steady there said drake gruffly then recognizing the agitated face of cass in the flaring gaslight he added in a tone of surprise you sir whatever's come over you at this time of night drake there has been a murder at myrtle villa down the jubilee road leading to the brickfields a man called moxton has been stabbed his wife came for dr ellis and i ran on to tell you the inspector heard this startling intelligence with a phlegm begotten by twenty years experience of similar reports how done it mr cass does the wife know no she says she heard a cry and ran out to find her husband lying on the garden path he died in her arms did she see anyone about i don't know i never asked her that is your business drake come along ellis is with her and the dead man oh he is dead then remarked the inspector leisurely putting on his cap and cloak so mrs moxton says come leaving the station in charge of an underling drake called the policeman and followed cass into the windy night the two with the constable tailing after them marched military fashion along several deserted and lampless streets until they turned into the jubilee road a dark thoroughfare of empty roofless houses and incomplete pavements civilization had not yet established order in this region and the street in embryo ended suddenly on the verge of naked lands beyond twinkled the red and green signal lights of the railway and between piles of bricks were heaped in babylon-like mounds myrtle villa was the last house on the right abutting on this untrimmed plain and the three men were guided to it by a winking light in the garden it was that of a lantern held by mrs moxton and shed yellow rays on the face of the dead man ellis kneeling beside the corpse completed a startling and dramatic picture oh cried the woman with something like dismay as the light revealed the uniforms the police yes ma'am said drake glancing sharply at her white cheeks we have come to see about this matter is the gentleman dead doctor i should think so look here ellis rolled over the body and showed a wound under the left shoulder blade round which the blood had coagulated the poor devil must have died within ten minutes after the blow was struck he died in my arms moaned mrs moxton oh edgar did he tell you who stabbed him ma'am no he never spoke a word the inspector took the lantern from her shaking hand and swung it round between corpse and gate the path was of beaten gravel and no footmarks were visible but here and there a stain of blood soaked into the ground and from this drake drew his conclusions he was stabbed from behind while opening the gate he said judicially and fell forward into the garden look at this stain and this the poor gentleman had strength enough to crawl these few yards wanted to reach the door no doubt what brought you out ma'am his cry i was waiting up for him in the back bedroom and i heard a shriek at first i was afraid as this place is very lonely then i came to the door with a candle and ran down the path edgar was moaning dreadfully and died almost immediately afterwards the wind is high ma'am mrs moxton understood his inference directly 
it blew out the candle she explained but i ran from the door shading it with my hand and as there was a lull for a moment i had just time to catch a glimpse of his face and recognize my husband about what time was this ma'am some time after eleven i can't say when i did not look at my watch it was exactly half-past eleven when you entered my house said ellis then edgar was murdered between eleven and half-past i wound up my watch for the night at eleven and at that time i had not heard the cry i ran all the way to your house that would take five minutes more or less said cass and the man must have lived some minutes after the blow to crawl this distance observed the inspector measuring the space with his eye did you come out at once ma'am no replied mrs moxton with some hesitation i was afraid i heard the cry and waited for a time thinking i was mistaken it was about ten minutes more or less before i summoned up courage to open the front door on the whole said ellis it would seem that the murder was committed at a quarter past eleven well mr drake what is to be done nothing can be done until the morning replied drake the man who did this is no doubt far enough away by this time a man cried mrs moxton do you think a man did it the inspector was on the alert immediately have you any reason to think that a woman killed him he asked sharply i no i cannot guess who committed the murder mrs moxton seemed anxious nervous and sorry she had said so much shall we take the body into the house sir she asked in a low tone it will be as well ma'am and i shall leave this constable to look after it for the night thank you thank you said the widow shuddering i should be afraid to stay by myself let me stay also said ellis moved by her beauty and distress oh do do would you mind i'll stay replied the doctor briefly and assisted the others to lift the body they carried it up the path mrs moxton lighting them onward with the lantern it was a strange and gruesome procession pacing through the black and stormy night and to imaginative cast the house and garden commonplace as they were reeked of the shambles when the body was laid on the bed drake gave some directions to his subordinate and departed with cass ellis and the policeman remained behind and the doctor's first care was to give mrs moxton a bromide tablet you are worn out with anxiety and nerves he said i saw that at my house and so brought these tabloids with me lie down and sleep shall i ever sleep again sighed mrs moxton however she obediently did as she was told and then the men turned their attention to the corpse it was that of a lean young man with scanty light hair and a thin fair moustache the lines of dissipation the marks of premature aging from debauchery had been smoothed out by death and the white face was as unwrinkled and placid as a waxen mask the body was clothed in evening dress with a light-coloured overcoat and the constable pointed out to ellis that the watch chain studs and links all costly were untouched robbers didn't bring about this murder said the policeman they undressed the body slowly as ellis drew off the shirt the cuffs of which were dappled with blood he noticed strange marks on the left arm from wrist to elbow on the outer part of the arm various signs appeared on the white skin these were rudely streaked with blood and ellis afterwards copied them into his notebook thinking they might be useful later on as indeed they proved to be 
"'What do these signs mean?' he asked the policeman. "'I don't know, sir, but he did him himself. See, doctor?' And he lifted the right hand of the corpse. Ellis looked eagerly and saw that the forefinger of the hand was black with dried blood. End of chapter 2 Read by Don W. Jenkins, Rancho San Diego, California